You're listening to Shalise's podcast. All right. Well, Father, I just thank you for this next episode in our series on Manifestation Mastery. And I thank you, Father, that your agenda is being accomplished for this episode. Uh, I thank you, Father, that you uh, have words of encouragement for us today. You have uh, teaching and you have revelation for us. And so we want to follow your lead. Holy Spirit, we give you the floor. I yield my body as an instrument of righteousness to you. I offer myself as a living sacrifice to you. I say, speak through my mind, Uh, think through my mind rather, and speak through me today, Father. Share the insights and the wisdom that you have for everyone today and lead us into more truth, Father. Lead us into an encounter with Jesus, into an encounter with the gospel. And, and strengthen us, Father, with might in our inner man so that we can run our, our, our race with patience, with endurance, and finish everything that you have ordained for us to do through our union with you. And so we just give you praise. We give you thanks. We honor you. We worship you, Jesus. And we thank you for your presence that permeates this podcast today and that it leads to great fruit and transformation in people's lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, awesome, you guys. Well, first off, I feel like I should apologize for kind of the sporadic uh, release and uh, of, you know, these last, this, of the, the episodes in this podcast. Um, but I also kind of want to share a little bit of backstory and why we were having, you know, some delays in, in doing these broadcasts. And it's because... Uh, in the middle of teaching on this topic, Manifestation Mastery, we and uh, a dear friend of mine were standing for the manifestation of a miracle in her life, my dear friend Cindy, who passed last Tuesday, uh, which is why I did not do the podcast last Tuesday. She had been standing for a miracle and a healing over cancer and a tumor that she had been diagnosed with, and it was a valiant fight. It was an, uh, an incredible Uh, honor to be with her as she stood for the manifestation of Jesus in that situation. And I'm coming to you today pretty vulnerable and honestly a little raw after um, standing with her during that time. And honestly, didn't teach last week um, because I was with her, but also wasn't quite sure how to handle it coming into this episode. So I'm just going to come today pretty vulnerable. I'm going to come through my own life experiences. I want to share Um, any wisdom that I might have to offer, not only to those who knew Cindy, but also to anyone else that's standing uh, for a miracle or standing for the manifestation of heaven on earth or has stood in the past and not seen, you know, what they believed and what they had hoped to happen, happen. And I wanted to kick things off today. Um, First of all, the way the Holy Spirit kind of highlighted it to me, you know, the name of this podcast, the name of this particular, these episodes that we're doing is called Manifestation Mastery. And I felt like what Holy Spirit wanted me to communicate today, that mastery is a process and that we are all in the process of learning to be a master of manifestation and to be a master of releasing heaven on earth. And that particular word mastery is was highlighted to me today because it's, it's not something that you obtain overnight, right? It's not something that you obtain after a few times of attempting something. 
Mastery is something that is gained, frankly, over a lifetime. And I think for some of us, it's going to take all of eternity <laughs> for us to honestly master the mind of Christ and see things from God's perspective. And so I wanted to start today with just a, a definition of the word mastery. And so let me pull this up. Um, I had it here on my phone here, but it says this, that mastery is the possession or display of great skill or technique. It's skill or knowledge that makes one a master of a subject or someone who has command of a subject. So in the context of this, you know, this particular topic, we're talking about becoming a master of manifestation. We're talking about becoming a master of bringing the reality of heaven, of the unseen realm, where we have the victory, where we have, you know, all that heaven contains that has been lavished upon us. It's already been given to us that the kingdom of God is a right now reality inside of us, an unseen realm and dimension within us and manifesting that unseen reality and that dimension in the seen realm, in this material realm. And so becoming a master of that is something that we develop. It is a skill. It is, a, it is, it is knowledge that we gain as we practice. And practicing manifestation, practicing being a miracle worker, practicing uh, healing the sick, practicing, uh, you know, manifesting miracles of all kinds is something that we practice. And and I think for some of us that, because that that's a that's a surprise, you know, because I, I think a lot of us think that, you know, as I did, as I grew up in the theology that taught that God is in control that God is in control of when miracles manifest, that God is in control when people get healed. And the reality of it is, is that God is not in control. He's sovereign, but in his sovereignty, he gave dominion to men. In the beginning, when he created Adam and Eve, right? He said, let them have dominion. Let them be the master over the seen realm. And, you know, he told us, right, to be free. He told them to be fruitful and to multiply, to replenish the earth and have dominion, meaning make the earth look like the garden, make the earth look like heaven. And so he gave Adam that assignment. He gave him work in the garden, not to toil, but to replenish the earth, to cause the earth to be like the garden. And so, I mean, for me, I remember when that was one of the lessons I learned on the path to being, a, you know, a master manifester, right? It, it was one of the lessons I had to, to, to wrap my head around that, wait a second, God is not in control, that God is not up in the heavens cherry picking when miracles happen and when they don't. But instead, he lives in union with us. And in the same way, Jesus worked miracles by abiding in the Father and identifying in, with his union with the Father and being anointed with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit working through him, that Jesus, you know, did miracles. He did miracles as a man anointed by God, fully divine, fully human, but he laid aside his, you know, equalness with God. He didn't come as, you know, a superhero from heaven. He came as a man born in a manger, anointed with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the enemy. And so, you know, that was news to me. That was a lesson that I learned along the path to see miracles manifest in my own life. And there are many, many lessons that, you know, after 20 years now of, of living a supernatural life that I have learned along the way. 
And one of the other things that I wanted to just kind of point out about this process of, of mastering a skill, mastering the knowledge of manifestation, it really comes from um, oh, Malcolm Gladwell. And it's this concept of, you know, the 10,000 hour rule. And I don't know if you've read Malcolm, Gal uh, Malcolm Gladwell's book, The Outliers, but there's a principle that, you know, you, maybe you've heard about it. And it's this idea that if you know you spend 10,000 hours doing something that you will be you will become a master at that that you will become a genius <clears throat> at, at, at that right and and he talks about it in terms of people that you know become violinist or become a musician at you know a prodigy level or at a extraordinary level but you know it applies to people you know maybe people like Bill Gates who became, you know, a master at programming or Olympic athletes that break world records, right? It's this idea that there is practice and there are hours and there are time that you put into, you know, elevating that gift and elevating your mastery of whatever it is that you are applying yourself to. And I was reading an article about this and I thought it was very interesting because there was some research done on that premise that it takes 10,000 hours to become a master at something. And what they found in their research that it wasn't just the, the amount of hours or the amount of time that someone spent in mastering a particular object, right, or a subject, but that it was also the quality of your teachers. That if you had, you know, two students that were there for 10,000 hours and, and uh, that the quality of the teachers and the input uh, was also a big factor, meaning that a great teacher, uh, you know, knows how to tell the pupil where to focus and what to, to practice on, you know? And so there was an aspect of that study that said, you know, it's not just the hours that you commit to something, but it's also the teachers that you have. And one of the things that I learned um, through my study of the Gospels and, and learning to uh, heal the sick and learning to, you know, manifest heaven on earth was that Jesus taught his disciples how to operate in the supernatural, that the supernatural is taught, that Jesus spent three three years with his disciples training them in how to do the same works that he was doing. And as he said, even greater works, right? He, he, he was teaching them how to speak to the fig tree. He was teaching them how to speak to storms. He was teaching them the role of doubt. He was, he was demonstrating all kinds of different uh, principles and different... Um, uh, you know, it aspects to manifesting heaven on earth. And he was there with them, correcting them, right? When Peter got out of the boat and he, he kept his eyes on Jesus and here he was walking on water, but then he began to look at the waves and the wind and he began to sink. You know what? Jesus pulled him right back up. And, you know, when they forgot the miracles of the loaves and the fishes and they were, you know, always thinking about natural things, Jesus would remind them, do you not remember the miracle of the loaves and the fishes? You know, when when there was a, um, a a young child that was having an epileptic seizure and the disciples were unable to heal him and he came down from the, you know, down from the Mount of Transfiguration and he said, bring the boy to me. And then he healed them. And then, you know, the disciples and him had a conversation, you know, uh, Jesus, why couldn't we not, why could we not heal this boy? And he said, you know, because of your unbelief. He, so Jesus was having a conversation with the disciples for three years as he was working miracles and operating in the supernatural. He was an incredible teacher to those disciples. And we know that he had great instruction because when we go to the book of Acts, we see the disciples doing the same things and they were doing the same things, even in Jesus's earthly ministry, when he sent them out two by two. And, you know, he said, 
as you go, preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, right? Cleanse the leper, cast out devils, raise the dead. Freely you receive, freely give. And so Jesus was instructing them um, to become a master of manifestation, just like he was. And Jesus was a master of manifestation, you know, <clears throat> but at the same time, I will also tell you there are places in the Gospels where Jesus says he could do no mighty works, you know, specifically in his own, own hometown of Galilee because of people's unbelief. And so Jesus is ultimately our, our teacher. He is ultimately the one that we're following as we uh, go down this path of becoming a, a master of manifestation. And here's the things, you guys. I have had so many teachers over the last 20 years of, of learning these principles. I mean, I started, you know, not knowing anything, needing healing in my own mind, needing healing in my own body. And God sent me to a nursing home and started me have, having me start to do a Bible study with a bunch of people that needed a miracle. And I had never seen a miracle. I had never done a miracle. In fact, I needed a miracle and it didn't make sense. But I also told the Holy Spirit, right, to to teach me. These people need a miracle. I need to, what, what do you want me to do? And he led me to a book and led me to the bookstore. And it was the first time I ever had any training on how to heal the sick. And it was by Charles and Francis Hunter. It was called How to Heal the Sick. And there were these little VHS videotapes. And I started watching those things. And then I began to just practice. I practiced on everyone. I would take them over to people's houses that needed healing and we would watch them together. And then I would practice on them. And then I started teaching classes at the church that I was at and start called how to heal the sick. And we would get at that by that point, we were, you know, teaching hundreds of people. It was thousands at one point of people that we would do the same thing. We would watch the videos and we would practice on each other. And the miracles we saw were incredible. You know, there were times when I would teach on healing and people would be just listening to me teach and all of a sudden not need their glasses anymore. I mean, I have seen incredible things. I've seen incredible miracles over the years as I have been on this journey with Jesus to learn how to do the same works that he did and even greater works. And so I really wanted to invite you guys in today into my process and into the process that I hopefully teach others um, to what do you do when what you're standing for doesn't manifest? What do you do when you're in the middle of believing for something and yet you aren't, you don't see the results, right? I mean, I have many of those stories as well is, 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 in the same way that I've seen incredible miracles, I've also suffered great losses, including my own mother um, who died of pancreatic cancer. And so I have both, you know, both of these realities in my history, in my story. And then on top of that, right, it says in James that not many of us should be teachers, that teachers are held to a higher standard. And so, you know, here I am, this teacher of, you know, manifestation mastery, but yet in my own personal experience, I've personally just experienced a loss. And so today I just wanted to to invite you guys into this space. And I, I talked, I kind of introduced it a little bit last week, but in a different context, right? I said, what do we do between I believe I've received and the physical manifestation? And I talked about that that space is a very holy place. And I talked about it in the context of me um, believing God to be able to have children. And I talked about this process that I went through with the Holy Spirit um, to really learn what was hindering the manifestation of me being able to carry a pregnancy full term and how the Holy Spirit, with his help, really transformed that image of, of you know, what I talked about is just having a miscarriage image inside and really transformed that so that I was able to have two girls. 
you know, and, and in the same way, that space is a very sacred space, that there are things to learn. There are things to unlearn in that space. Well, let me say this, you know, emphatically that there are things to learn. There are things, um, there are lessons in this space of, you know, I, I stood and I believed, but we didn't see it. Okay. It didn't happen the way that we wanted it to happen. And so one of the very first things that I want to, is I invite you into my processes, whenever there is a loss of any kind, you know what, it's really important for me to get my eyes focused on what I do know. And for me, that means I want to dive back into the gospel. Okay. I'm going to dive back into the victory of Jesus. I'm going to dive into the hope of our salvation and the hope of our salvation, and I know that we know this, but it's always good to, to have a reminder of this, that our hope of our salvation um, extends beyond this physical life, you guys, that, that the reason, you know, the reason for our hope is the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of our, of us, right? I mean, we will all experience a resurrection of our physical bodies and that space between when we pass out of our bodies in this life and, you know, we get a new body is a place where those that have passed before us are living in paradise. They are with Jesus, just like the thieves that were next to Jesus on the cross. And he said, today, I will see you in paradise, right? I mean, there is an, a glorious place, a holding place, if you will, because it's not actually like the ultimate heaven. Ultimate heaven is going to be the new earth where resurrected human beings like Jesus live in a place without pain and sorrow and death, which is the final enemy, is ultimately defeated. And that is the hope. That is the ultimate hope of the gospel. And if you read, I mean, I was also reading <clears throat> in 1 Corinthians. I think it's 1 Corinthians. I was reading in 1 Corinthians about how the apostle Paul dealt with the threat of death all the time and how he kept on going through so many contradictions. Uh, and what do I mean by contradictions? Things that were contrary to what Jesus had conquered on the cross. And actually it's um, in second Corinthians chapter one. And he talks about, um, you know, in verse eight, it says in the mirror translation, we want you to know that we are not exaggerating the extreme contradictions and sufferings that we faced in Asia. We were weighed down with enormous persecution beyond any measure of endurance. We really thought we were going to die. And verse nine, it says, we came to terms within ourselves with the fact that we were on death row, that there was no escape except our belief that God could raise us from the dead. It says in the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, he has already delivered us from death's greatest threat. And now he continues to make our victory over death's claim a daily reality. We are confident that he will raise us again. And so this hope that the Apostle Paul had in that facing day at death every day, and what I want to say in the place where death seems to have won in a, in a circumstance, the truth that death hasn't won, that death is the last enemy to be put under Jesus's feet is a place of great hope. Right is a place that says no matter whether we win or lose, we win. We win. And although Cindy has gone on to be with Jesus, she wins. She is win. She wins right now by being with Jesus. And those that are left behind win because even when we lose, it's not ultimate de defeat. It's not ultimate. It's not the because this life is not the ultimate reality. 
right? The, 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 hope of, the hope of our salvation is the ultimate reality. And so that's the very first place that I go. And, you know, if it's not the loss of a loved one that, that, that we are, are dealing with, whether it's the loss of, you know what, I expected <clears throat> this deal to come through, or I expected just the circumstances to turn out di differently. I, I expected the manifestation of whatever it is. If there is a time that comes in your life and it doesn't turn out the way that you wanted it to turn out, then we have to come back to what we know to be true. And we cannot throw out the baby with the bathwater, which is a big temptation when you are standing for miracles, right? It's, it's, it's sometimes it's just easier to be like, well, miracles just don't happen. Miracles passed away with the apostles or, uh, we don't have that authority. We have, we have, we have a, a temptation to make things mean a lot of things that they don't necessarily mean. And what it means to be a student of Jesus, what it means to be a student of miracles and to be on this path to mastery is that you learn the lessons in everything. You learn the lessons in a sacred space with the Holy Spirit, whether you are in the middle of standing for something that you don't yet see or you're, you're post the place where it, it, it was supposed to happen, but it didn't. And that sacred space is, is the place, you guys, where true mastery moves to the next level. It's where the revelation that, that you need in order to face the next giant or face the next battle is actually, um, released. You know, some of the greatest lessons I've ever learned have been in the places where people weren't healed. And I'm talking about contradictions that are very, very frustrating, right? Standing, you know, by two people where one gets healed and one doesn't right next to each other, you know, and you're just wrestling with the fact of like, what is happening here? Why is this person being healed? Why is this person not being healed? You know, it's, it's in these instances. And I'll, I'll tell you the way I processed it with my mom and where I was on my journey at that time was that I let it inspire me. I let that loss build in me a new level of zeal towards being someone who operated in the supernatural power of God. I let it motivate me towards greater understanding and greater revelation so that the very next person that I stood in front of and I prayed for was going to be healed. And it's the same with anything, you guys. Like we get to decide what we make things mean. And I will tell you many, many times I've heard the Lord tell me, be careful what you make that mean. Be careful of the judgments that you bring into this situation or this circumstance. And I can tell you that, that not judging something is probably one of the hardest things that we can learn to do. But it is also one of the most important things that we can learn to do, not only for our own peace of mind, but also as a child and son of God who lives in union with God. Because all throughout scripture, whether it's the Old Testament and Proverbs, where it says, you know, trust the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths, right? I mean, learning to release your right to judge and to instead <clears throat> assume the position <clears throat> of a student is a, a great act of humility. Uh, to say that I don't have the answers, to say that, but I know the one who does, and I am committed like never before to sitting at the feet of Jesus and learning the lessons. And I can tell you for me, on that very last day, as I woke up that morning to go be with Cindy, the Lord very clearly spoke to me. He said, don't miss the lessons. Don't miss the lessons. <clears throat> and even though we didn't have, you know, quote unquote, victory from a earthly perspective with Cindy, 
there are lessons. There are lessons for, for me. There are lessons for her family. There are lessons for every single person that knew her. And for me, my commitment remains as strong as ever to pressing into those lessons and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead me to the revelation that he has for me in my own journey, in my own process of manifesting sonship in my own life. And are, are these are these lessons easy? No, they're not. I mean, there's a lot at stake um, in this life. Uh, people's lives are at stake, right? I mean, there is much work to be done. Um, the systems of this world, there is much, much to be resisted. There's much to um, to work towards in, in our lives. But if we if we cannot uh, process quote unquote losses, then we will not fulfill our destiny. If the Apostle Paul would have allowed persecution and facing death to be a, you know, a deterrent to him, then we would not be sitting with the letters that he wrote to his churches, still learning of him many, many, you know, centuries after his life. But he's still teaching us. His life is still teaching us even after his death. And I can tell you there are many lessons from my relationship with Cindy that I'm taking, even though she's gone, they are still teaching me. And that is a beautiful thing, you guys. And it is also um, an opportunity for us to press into the Lord and press into the truth and, and stay teachable and allow ourselves to be taught things that we need to learn. We need to learn because we are still here and the kingdom is still suffering violence. And it is, it, we, we can't give up. We can't lose hope because along the path of our lives, we haven't seen everything that we believed to be true. Um, you know, if you talk to anyone who's had a healing ministry or seen anyone, talk to anyone who's seen great miracles, they can also sit down and talk to you about great defeats. They can talk to you about, in fact, I remember going to Bethel many years for a healing uh, conference for leaders. And I remember my very favorite session that Bill Johnson and the team did was not on all of these glorious testimonies that they did, but it was how do you, how do you, what's the posture that you take when someone isn't healed? And, you know, here on the heels of hills of, of Bill losing, you know, Benny and should I say Benny graduating to heaven, which was his beloved wife. I can tell you that Bill in his healing ministry has not only seen phenomenal things, but he has also suffered great losses in, in the sense of, of not having the miracle manifest on this side of heaven. And that's the case for anyone. If you read the, the, the story of Catherine Coleman or you read the story of John G. Lake or, or Smith Wigglesworth or uh, just the generals of faith in general, right? They, there is, there's this, this tension between the gospel is true, but we aren't seeing the full manifestation of it yet in this life. And so that space is, like I said last week, it's a very holy, a very sacred place. And it is a time to be comforted by the Holy Spirit. It is a time to, uh, for me, it's uh, the way that I receive that is I read. You guys, I have read maybe six books already since last week. And people are like, how do you do that? Why do you do that? It's like, because I never stop 
looking for answers. I never stop wanting to know the next key that I'm supposed to get out of this particular circumstance. I want to manifest more of Jesus and I want to release everything that's not Jesus and everything that hinders Jesus. I want to know and I want to partner with the Holy Spirit for more because I know that more is possible. I know that more is God's will. And it, it, as far as it concerns me, I want to be a vessel that is that can be used by God to, to the maximum amount of glory while we live on this earth. And, you know, I think that, you know, what I really wanted to share today is a loss doesn't change the miracle working power of God that is designed to work through us, right? Just because Peter didn't walk on water perfectly, didn't, didn't negate the fact that he walked on water. Okay. It didn't negate the fact that he was doing the same things that Jesus was doing as he followed Jesus. Cause Jesus was the set one that said, come out on the water with me. Right. So he was, he was, he was imitating the things that Jesus was doing at the same time he was learning from Jesus how to do those things. And so G, you know, Peter had to learn how to overcome failure. Right. He had to learn how do I, how do I get back up after I denied Jesus three times? How do I how do I stand in the fact that Jesus sees me as a rock that, you know, that there's a revelation that that he is going to use in my life to build the church on? How do I reconcile the fact that I'm, I'm, I'm I have fear of man, fear of a servant woman, but yet I'm called to operate in the power of God? You know, and and so Peter actually is kind of one of my favorite disciples because of the process that I, I watch him go through when I read the Gospels. You know, I see him being super eager to get out of the boat. You know, he was the only one that got out of the boat and he was also the only one that failed because a lot of times we won't even get out of the boat because we're afraid of failure. And I saw Peter time and time again, brush himself off. Right. I, when Jesus was risen and, you know. Peter's in the boat fishing and he recognizes Jesus on the store, the, the, the shore, right? It says that he was like naked and he, I don't know if he was naked, he had his fishing loincloth on. I don't know what he was wearing, but the point is he put on all his clothes and then he jumped in the water and swam to Jesus. Everybody else came back in the boat. I mean, there was something about Peter. Why? Because he had, he'd failed. He had denied Jesus three times and he, he had failed. And you know what he did? He aggressively ran to Jesus. He, not ran, he swam. He swam to Jesus. And if you remember that next conversation that, that he has is like, you know, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? And he kept telling him, yes, Lord. And he said, well, then feed my sheep. Then feed my sheep. But, you know, but do you love me? Do you love me? Then feed my sheep. And, and I can't imagine what was going through Peter's mind in those moments because here he's thinking, oh my gosh, I'm not worthy to feed your sheep. I just, I just denied you three times. Like you're asking me, do I love you over and over again? And you're asking me so many times, like, I don't know, Lord, you know, you know, if I love you, you know that I love you. I mean, he, he was wrestling with his own heart. He was wrestling with his failures and the call of God on his life and failures do not change the call of God on our lives, beloved, to be miracle workers. It doesn't change the call of God on our lives to <clears throat> emulate Jesus and do the same things that Jesus did and even greater things. And the way that we process failure, the way that we overcome failure, the way that we sit with Jesus and have the conversations that, that, are, that are similar to the ones that Peter had in the midst of our failures 
are the ones that 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 catapult us into the next level of manifestation in our lives because either in that place our our faith will be shipwrecked or it will be strengthened right whenever we go through a temptation whenever we go through a battle there is a place of strengthening i mean jesus himself when he went through the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights without food and without water and was being tempted you know to basically drop his identification of this being a son, being the son of God, right? He just, he refused to drop the identification of being a son of God in the midst of those temptations to believe otherwise. And in the end, it says he, he went into the wilderness with, in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it says he went out of the wilderness in the power of the Holy Spirit, being strengthened by angels at the end of that 40 day period where he was tempted to you know, lose the faith or tempted to believe he was less than who God had declared right before he went into the wilderness that that is who he is. And so many times what happens is when we go through a failure of some kinds, it's like going into the wilderness where we are now tempted to to drop what we know to be true in the face of something that didn't align with the truth. And it's in that place, in that wilderness. And I, I would love to tell you that I'm out of it today, but I'm still in the middle of it, guys. And I, I'm showing up today because that's what we do. We show up even though we're in the midst of a wilderness, in the midst of a whatever, you know, a theological uh, shaking, if you will, or a heart shaking or a trying to make sense in our human minds of, of what is actually happening and the circumstances that we're walking through. But running to Jesus and, and standing on the things that you know are true, okay? It, it's not less true because it didn't happen, okay? It's not less true that Peter could walk on water even though he sank. That's not less true. He could still do the things that Jesus did and even greater things, even though in the midst of that moment, he failed. And, you know, I think the tendency sometimes is to look for blame. Um, and we look for blame. We look for blame. We blame God many times uh, when when terrible things happen. I mean, honestly, that's the whole premise of of the movie Shack, the Shack. And I know a lot of people have a lot of problems with the theology of the Shack and they're being, you know, God portrayed as women and all of those things. But it doesn't change the message of the Shack. And the beauty of the Shack is that it is a story of inner healing and the dropping of judgment for someone who went through a horrific tragedy. And it is a beautiful story of the reminder that, that we are not the judge, right? And blaming people is not the answer. Blaming God is not the answer. You know, many times the disciples blame Jesus, right? I mean, when they were in the midst of that storm and Jesus was sleeping and then, you know, the first thing they did was accuse God. Jesus, do you not care that we're in the storm? Do you not care that we are per perishing here, that we're going through this horrible storm right now and that we're going to die? Do you not care? Right. The accusation against God is the spirit of accusation, which is behind the spirit of judgment, which is behind blaming. Right. The, the accusations are, are one of the things that's one of the lessons that we have to learn in the midst of failure, like blaming God, blaming ourselves, blaming each other like we are not the judge. And the truth is, we may not even understand everything that happened in any situation that we go through on this side of heaven, right? It says in 1 Corinthians 13 that we see in a glass darkly. And so even needing to understand everything perfectly on this side of heaven is a, is a, 
is an exaltation of, of, of ourselves in some sense. Like, the, you know, if we can, it's like almost like if we can understand it, then we can prevent it from happening rather than just trusting in God. And so there's a humility in just not playing the blame game and dropping the judgment and instead coming to Jesus and sitting at his feet and having the conversations and letting him teach us whatever lesson is next on our journey to becoming exactly like he is in, in the journey to being conformed to the image of Jesus, to the image of love. And so if we're going to be masters of anything, if we're going to be masters of manifestation, masters over lack, masters over sin, masters over sickness, masters over the curse, then we are going to have to learn from the master. We are going to have to continue to follow the master and live in union with the master because the master is the one manifesting himself through us, right? So there are many, many lessons. Yes, the blame is one of them. Separation from God. I mean, guess what? You can't even begin to play the blame game if somehow you've separated yourself from God. And separating yourself from God is one of the biggest reasons why things don't manifest, you know, I can remember that lesson and Jesus teaching me that, hey, you're not praying in the name of Shalice. This isn't about what you figured out. You're praying in the name of Jesus. You need to get loose self-consciousness and you need to become Christ conscious. So getting yourself out of the, the business of the one doing the miracles and the one doing the manifestation is a huge lesson along the way. And so there are many, many lessons, beloved. There are, the, there are theolo theologies that we have to let go. There's doctrines that we have to let go of. There is uh, religious ideas that we have to let go of. There is uh, the illusion of separation that we have to let go of. There is all kinds of things in our hearts that we have to let go of. Again, I talk about, you know, my own journey into having babies. And I had no idea that I just through growing up with a mom and a grandmother who were barren and couldn't have children. Well, my grandmother could have children. It was more like my mom was, I was adopted and my mom was raised by wasn't my grandmother. It was actually her aunt. So there was like this, this orphan thing, this inability to have kids thing in my, in my programming. And the truth is I didn't know what was in my programming until I did. I didn't know until the Holy Spirit showed me. And so dependency upon God and not trusting in our own self, not, not trusting in what we think. I mean, I don't even know to whether to trust that I'm in faith or not anymore. You know, I mean, the apostle Paul talks about that at one point. He talks about you know, his conscience is clean, but he doesn't even allow himself to be his own judge, that God is the only judge, right? So there's a process, beloved, in this that we are on with the Lord. And, you know, all I can say is Matthew, I'm sorry, Mark 11.23 and 11.24 are still true, right? The scripture is still true. Um, the gospel is still true. Everything that you have learned up to this point from the Holy Spirit about manifestation is still true until it's not, until the Holy Spirit shows you something different or tweaks it or whatever. And being the student, being the child, being the dependent one and not being wise in our own eyes is a huge part of our journey. And if I could share anything else, you guys, I would just guess I would say is all that we really have to do is know the Father's agenda, right? We just have to talk with the Lord. We have to sit. We have to be able to hear. I mean, that's why people come every day and, and join Emerge, right? Because they realize that the most important skill, if they're going to fulfill their destiny, if they're going to live in union with Jesus, 
is going to be able to hear from God from that place of union and abide in Christ because that's how the works are done. That's how greater works are done. And our potential is infinite. Our potential to do the same works that Jesus did in greater works is infinite. And while we are, you know, on this journey of life, really all we can do is sacrifice our life. All we can do is offer our life and we can release our agenda and get on the father's agenda. And we can learn whatever lessons that the father is teaching us through everything that we do in our daily lives. And I heard something over the last couple of days that really blessed me. You know, God's purpose is not just a destination that we reach. It's not just this ultimate just like think about it in Jesus's life. I mean, yes, Jesus's life was the cross. The purpose was the cross, but there was a lot of purpose in every single day that he lived up until the day of the cross. It wasn't like what he did in between his birth and his crucifixion didn't matter, right? So yes, is there an ultimate destiny? Is there an end of our life where hopefully the, the things that we've done over our life culminate in the fulfillment of our destiny? But how we show up today and how we show up tomorrow and how we show up in the next hour is also really important. Purpose shows up in our lives every single day. And purpose looks like love. Purpose looks like um, whatever the father's agenda is for that day, right? A successful day is a day that we follow Jesus. A successful day is whatever the father had for us to accomplish that day in union with him. And that's a successful day, day after day after day, regardless of what the circumstances look like, regardless of whatever else is going on. It's keeping that place of abiding central. It's staying focused on the Lord. And if you find yourself separated or uh, disappointed or angry or whatever it is by whatever is going on, well, you bring that to Jesus. You bring it all to Jesus and you sit with him. And guess what? There is wisdom. There is understanding. There is revelation. And yes, there's mystery. There's mystery in the gospel. There's mystery to the Christ in you, the hope of glory. There is mystery to be learned. There's mystery to be released. And I can't, you know, really stress it enough that the place of quote unquote failure is many times the greatest place of learning. And if you look at whether that's any endeavor, right, whether that's learning to master a musical instrument or that's learning to be an Olympic athlete or a master of anything, right, just mastering workouts at the gym. I mean, many times that point of failure, that point of, of, you know, not breaking through to the next level of performance and mastery is only obtained through the act of failure, it's only obtained through what you perceive to be, oh, I've done it wrong. And we can't be perfectionists in this, right? We have to let go of anything and everything that we think so that we can gain the mind of Christ and hear from the Lord about what he thinks. And I'll tell you, many times I've been surprised how God has been proud of me in the midst of my failures. And how, how I know that he is proud of us in the midst of things that we think are failures. You know what? I don't think he was, I think he was proud of Peter for getting out of the boat, even though he failed. And even he said, you know, hey, why did you doubt? Right? He, he was having a conversation. He wasn't condemning him. 
It was an honest question. Why? What happened? What happened? Right. And so just like, you know, in the military, when they come back from a, a military operation and they debrief, you know, that it's important to take time to, to debrief, to be comforted, to, to, to gain a higher perspective, to learn whatever it is that is, is, is required in that moment so that you can get back on the field and you can get back to the instrument and get back to playing the next piece, get back up on the horse after you've fallen off, right? Get back in the game after you lose the championship and not give up, not lose hope because today is a new day and nothing is too big for God. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. None of it is too big for God. It's still a great day for a miracle. It's still a great day to manifest heaven on earth. And for those that have gone on to be with the Lord, well, goodness gracious, you know, the apostle Paul said, um, you know what, to, 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 to live as Christ, to die is gain, that death is a gain. Right. That that the only reason he was staying here because he'd rather be with Jesus is because it was more it was more prudent for everybody else. And so there is a perspective in death. There's a perspective in failure that we don't gain except in the midst of it. And I can tell you because I was there with Cindy when she passed, there is there are things that that I have experienced and things that God has shown me things that God has spoken, things that I experienced in that moment that I would not have experienced. I would not have known if I had not been there and I wouldn't trade that for anything. And so beloved, I guess today I want to say, keep on keeping the faith and that keep on the track of mastering manifestation and don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Don't play the blame game. No, instead, run to Jesus, run into his arms, that it is safe to fail. It's safe to fail in the kingdom. In fact, faith many, many times before we get the victory looks like failure. And every single time we we practice, right? Being a miracle worker, practice being a manifester. Guess what? It pleases the father because faith pleases the father. And he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So God bless you guys. I pray that this 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 is a, a podcast that hopefully you'll be able to come back to and remember in those moments of, you know, whatever failure or where it seems like, you know what, it didn't turn out the way that I wanted to turn out and be strengthened and be reminded of the truth, be reminded that failure is not a problem um, for God, that um, we win, <laughs> we win. We win, we win, we win, and that this is not all that there is, that there is there is a hope of our salvation, that paradise is real, that the resurrection of our bodies is real, and that Jesus Christ has won the victory. He is Lord over all. He is Lord over this planet, and that that will be our final victory. So God bless you. Make it a supernatural week, and know that um, we love you. We love you. We love you. Thanks for listening to Shalise's podcast. This recording is, in part, made possible by our listeners. To partner with us, visit shalise.com, where you can donate and help us spread the good news of our unshakable union with Christ around the globe. You can also find a link there to download Shalise's book, The Path, for free. And if you're ready to discover the call of God on your life and the purpose He created you for, then visit us at Shalice.com and watch Shalice's free training 
where you'll hear five keys to hearing God about your life purpose and transitioning into it. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, don't forget, the world needs the Christ in you.